Hi, I'm Philippa Giu. I am a journalist and a mum. And I recently set up the Lockdown Babies podcast after I had my own lockdown baby in July 2020. You're listening to the Mother of All Solutions stories from mums as they navigate their return to work. With me, Laura Broderick. Welcome listeners to Mother of All Solutions podcast in May 2022. I'm delighted to be interviewing Philippa Guillou today. Um, she, well, she came to be known to me through her podcast, Lockdown Babies. But as I've messaged and reached out to her, I've got to know a little bit more about her. And today we'll be hearing from her and she can be sharing much more because it's super exciting to speak to someone who's a journalist, a podcaster and a mum and a mum of a baby through the lockdown. I was about to say process, but process is the wrong word. It's been a process. It's been a process. process. So hi, Philippa. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. And it's so nice to be here in person. I know it's lovely. Yeah. I'm not used to being interviewed, though. I've got to say, it's usually me asking a question. So this is new for me. We flip it. Well, that's, it's nice, right? I mean, enjoy the process. Think about, you know, celebrating yourself for once rather than celebrating all the other women. Because we are going to be talking about what you've been doing with your own podcast. Um, So just to set the scene, of you you've mentioned your intro you're a mum do you want to tell us a little bit more about being a mum your your daughter and how how that has been so far for you yeah yeah so yeah mum to Arabella she's gonna be two in July which is honestly just wild to even Mm. think that I mean everybody knows if you've had a baby that the time goes so fast and people tell you don't they it goes so fast it goes so fast but my goodness like it really does I can't believe she's going to be too soon but you know she came along in July 2020 Mm. very much planned and we couldn't wait to meet her and I got pregnant and oh I was very very sick actually okay um so I didn't really enjoy being pregnant I'll be honest I was not a well pregnant lady Mm. you know you you see these women glowing and like doing yoga that was not me no that's I was not a well pregnant lady and then we went into the lockdown in the March of course Mm. when I was quite heavily pregnant I think about six months pregnant by then and then our lives just got turned upside down Mm. and I think everything changed for us you know that pandemic just changed everything she was born it changed my career path I think it changed my husband's career path so we just sort of our lives got turned upside down when she came and it was partly because we had a baby now and we're parents but it was partly the pandemic so it's been a really weird time the last couple of years so let's unpick that a little bit because you you found out you're pregnant um, sorry, you you found out we were going into our first lockdown in March 2020 when you were about six months pregnant. So you're hopefully starting to feel a bit better. I know you said pregnant. No, no you were like ill the whole way. I was way really through. sick. Okay. I was sick every every day until she was born. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it was, it was bad. Um, with HG, the sickness, you know, that Kate Middleton kind of famously... Okay plunged into the limelight and it, yeah. it's not just morning sickness it, it's, it's extreme, all day yeah. every day mm. and I did take tablets and things which helped a lot but yeah very very sick and then yeah we went into the lockdown in the March oh my goodness so you were dealing with probably the emotions of the lockdown feeling sick in your pregnancy trying to look forward to your daughter arriving because of course you still want to be happy about what's to come and um, what were some of the emotions you, you had at yeah. that point? I mean, I'll never forget that day because mm. pregnant women, of course, got sent home to into lockdown or, or to isolate mm. before everybody else. Yes. So pregnant yeah. women and vulnerable people, I'll never forget that day. I was at work in the office um, and we all had these little screens on our on our desks, basically 
computer uh, mm. TV screens so we could watch the news on our desks. And we were all watching Boris, the, mm. the, one of the first press conferences, and he said pregnant women should isolate for three months. Mm. And everybody, all my colleagues, turned around looking at me. Did he just say that pregnant... Yeah, did he just yeah. say that? It was such a shock. And then I remember my boss at the time was... We were all searching on Twitter trying to confirm Fact what he check. just said. Mm. Like, did we hear that right? Yeah. And I'll never forget this. And he's searching, searching. My, my boss is looking on Twitter. And then we finally see it. And then he's like, right, we'll have to get you a taxi. And I was like, no, it's fine. I'll just get on the tube. Like, yeah, I've been getting yeah. on the tube. You know, I got on the tube this morning. It's fine. I can get yeah. on the tube home. And he was like, no, no, I'll have to get you a taxi. And I remember just sort of being shoved out the door mm. and waving at all my colleagues okay bye and I remember my big boss so the, like a big boss of the world service over there <laughs> I love the way you wave at him say things like big boss big boss <laughs> big yeah boss. my yeah. big boss he was over there on the sofas and I was like okay bye and he was in a meeting he just sort of looks at me like bye and I was and, and I never went back yeah so I got put in this taxi sent home to work from home and of course a couple of weeks later everybody got sent mm. home so it was fine but when it was I couldn't believe what was happening and I just sort of got shoved in this taxi and never really to return. And you were, and you were working at the BBC then as a journalist, as the podcast called The Journalist. This is your professional background yeah. that you've come from. Yeah. And, yeah. and so were you working, had you been working remotely at any point no, before never. then? No, never. Okay. Because I was reading the news. So I read the news mm. on a programme, which is a world service programme called BBC Minute. It's 60 second news. Okay. It's broadcast to millions of people all around the world. You know, it's, and we have, you know, a huge audience in Africa and, and parts of Asia. And, you know, we always had to be there. Yeah. You couldn't, you, that just didn't even, that wouldn't have even crossed our minds that you could possibly do that from home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we did, we did end up doing, we all ended up working from home. Yeah. And those first few weeks of trying to make it work mm. were just a, disa- a disaster, to be honest. It was really hard. Makeshift. But we yeah. did, we made it work. I was reading the news from a garden chair on my dressing table with a blanket over my head. Oh my goodness. And this was the BBC News, you yeah. know, but it's not like me doing my little podcast on the side yeah, it was yeah, honestly yeah. so amateur but we made it work and you know every week got easier and it was the same for everyone wasn't mm. it? it doesn't matter what profession you were in mm. if you weren't used to working from home it was just this whole other world mm. so yeah I came home worked from home and then went and actually mm. it was really nice not to commute I will say mm. in that last bit of Especially pregnancy if you were feeling so sick yeah because yeah. I used to have to mm. I'd get really sick on the tube so I used to have to mm. get on the tube and then I'd have to get off throw up on a platform oh and get goodness. back on the tube or like throw up in a bag and then get back on the tube I was always late for work because I'd had to be sick yeah. so I was actually really glad to to be at home for mm. that last bit um and you know the whole swollen feet oh back my goodness pain. I remember those yeah and it enabled me to work that's why crocs were okay yeah, honestly <laughs> I, can't go to, I couldn't go to work in crocs could I and you know for me I was very much like I'm not I didn't want to wear trainers or anything um but no I was really glad to work from home actually it, it meant I could work right up to the last minute I worked mm. till 39 weeks which I wouldn't have been able to do if no, I was no, still in no. the office well Philippa just getting to hear that from you, you sound like a super positive person. We've only obviously connected recently, but just hearing you talk about how you managed the sickness, managed the beginning of the pandemic, having to shift work, you know, shift your emotional state, 
you're a super positive person from what I gather. I think I always have been. Yeah. I will say I've always been really positive and I do always look on the bright side. But I will say this having this baby and, you know, everything that kind of came along Next. with that. Yeah. That changed me, I think. Okay. Yeah, maybe we'll get onto that. I'm sure no. we will. But I do think that changed me and changed me as a person. I'm still positive and I do try mm. to look on the bright side and I do try to yeah have a good outlook but mm. I was really angry about everything which you know we'll probably yeah. go well to. let's let's just get stuck into it now so Arabella your daughter was born in July Um, you on your podcast ask women to talk about their experiences of lockdown babies and I was really keen to hear from a first time mum because a lot of my friends or contacts or people I've had on the podcast before if they've had a baby during the pandemic it's been a second or third so it's been quite different um obviously still the stresses of being in a lockdown and birthing in that process but talk through what happened with you and and your birth if you're happy to share with us no absolutely so we got you know we were kind of approaching when Arabella was going to be born and I remember just searching like trying to find the information would my husband be allowed in with me you were hearing all these different stories every trust had different rules around hospital regulations visitation you know what when was your husband allowed to come in with you and it was really hard to find that information I will say but I wasn't that worried about it I don't remember being that worried about it all I mean maybe a bit but not really it didn't consume me and then you know, the time came, my waters had broken, I'd kind of been at home for a while. And then I thought, right, you know, it's time, mm-hmm. ready to go to hospital, get there. My friend had actually driven us because we don't have a car, we live in London, mm. whatever. My friend had driven us. And we get there and they, they say to us, no, only you can go in, as in only I can go in. My husband, Ollie, has to has to wait outside until mm. I've been examined. So I go in and I think I kind of expected that actually. Okay. But I think I thought I was much further progressed dilation-wise or, you know, labor-wise than what I really was. Because, okay. I mean, I'd been up all night. I'd been having contractions all night. I thought, right, surely this baby's going gonna... to come soon. I thought that yeah. was a Monday. That was Monday the 6th of July. And I, I thought she'd be born on that day. How could yeah. she not? She wasn't actually born until the 7th of July. Mm. But So anyway, we get to hospital. He wasn't allowed in um, at first. Well... Yeah, he wasn't allowed in. And then I'd really wanted to have the whole water birth in the birthing suite Mm. and whatever. But my waters had broken over 24 hours before. So I had to go up to the labor ward, which, okay, fine. I can deal with that. I was just sort of accepted it. I go upstairs, husband's still not allowed in. And then I was in a room for about about six hours on my own waiting for him. He wasn't allowed in all this time. Um, and that was really, really Stressful. difficult, really yeah. difficult to go through all these contractions. And they were bad at this point, you know, mm. I was quite into it. It'd been like a day and a half. Mm. Um, and that was really, really mm. difficult. And it just went on and on and on. And I remember they said to me, go and meet your husband outside and go for a walk around the block. Oh, I, yes. I couldn't think of anything worse, well, that's honestly. that's so relaxing when I'm like... <laughs> but I did. I went outside and I threw oh up. Goodness. I remember I threw up outside the hospital I'd had a wine gum and and that just came right back. I thought you were gonna say I had a wine. I had a wine gum. Okay. (laughs) Imagine. It was a boiling hot day. It was a super, super hot day. I'll never Mm. forget that. And everyone was outside the hospital, I don't know, Mm. mingling, smoking. I don't know what people Not were doing. Not where you wanted to be. But they were all looking at me because I was clearly in labour, you know, like seriously. Yeah. Th- obviously I'd thrown up everywhere. Everyone's looking at me. So I was like, no, I'm going to have to go back in. 
Ollie still wasn't allowed to be with me. And yeah, that was really, really tough. Like it's hard to put into words because it's all a bit of a blur Mm. in a way. But I remember it got to the point where I was like verge of breakdown by this Mm. point. And I remember, and when I say on my own, I mean on my own. I didn't have a midwife with me or anything. They kept coming and taking my temperature, you know, every few hours, whatever they do. But I truly was on my own in this room. And I remember just thinking, my husband was sat on the floor in the corridor of the hospital for six hours and wasn't allowed to come into the room, which just didn't make any sense to me. Surely he could just come in the room, but Mm. no. So eventually I ended up having what I think can only be described as a breakdown. And they did Mm. finally get me a different room where he was able to come in. But it took a like a long time. You had to be pushed to your limit before that was... Yeah, and that really... I really struggled with that for a long time, actually, to Mm. kind of process all of that. Mm. Anyway, he was allowed in with me and and actually things got a bit better. But then... Mm. We realized that our baby was quite poorly and that she needed mm. to be born ASAP. So she, we went to theater, but I didn't have a cesarean. She mm. was born vaginally, but we were in theater mm. in case things kind of went wrong. And, and that was just, you know, she was very poorly. She had yeah. sepsis when she was born. So Obless. she mm. kind of came out, she was very poorly. All these lights went off, loads of people ran mm. in. It was like something out of a film. Mm. And that was also really difficult. She was taken away straight away, taken mm. to the intensive care unit. So I didn't really meet her. I think I held her for about 20 seconds and then okay. she was gone. Um, And then and my husband went with her and I was taken back to you know, cleaned up, stitched up, taken mm. back to recovery ward. And then he was told he had to leave the hospital. Mm. So this was half one in the morning she was born. Mm. By half two, three o'clock, I've got a message from him that says, I'm home, like, I'm, I've made it home type okay. thing. So had he seen He her had seen her. her okay. Because he went with her to the intensive care while they did all her tubes and she yeah. had to have, I don't know, catheters and all these different things. Yeah. And then he came back very briefly to me and then he was gone. So mm. I was just left like shaking in this bed. Mm. The baby was there. He was at home. I was left in this bed. We were all in a different place. And I had visions, oh you know, goodness. of us having tea and toast and like having skin to skin and like mm. her breastfeeding. And, you know, you know the visions of yeah, when you've had your baby, yeah, like yeah. what you hope that it's going to look like. And it, it didn't look like that. Mm. And then we were in hospital for the next week because obviously because of the sepsis, she had to have antibiotics mm. and he wasn't really allowed in. He was allowed in for a couple of hours a day, but so, I remember it was yeah. really hard. So he didn't get the immediate bond and no. you had the loneliness and the stress and then having to hit an emotional, mm. tr- like, you know, to be triggered really. Yeah. It, yeah. Well, I, that week in hospital mm. was really difficult. And just th- these restrictions, yeah. you know, the pandemic, and this is why I started the yeah. podcast, which I'll tell you about. Yeah, but, you yeah. know, it was just that this is not right. We shouldn't be left alone. Like, we've just had babies. We are in the most vulnerable state, like physically. Yeah. Oh, you know, my goodness, I was yeah. waiting for a blood transfusion. Yeah. I was not okay to be looking after a baby. Yeah. Um, I mean, she was in intensive care for a couple of days, and I couldn't visit her because unless you could take yourself there, you couldn't go but of course when your partner's not allowed in how do you get there no one would take me in a wheelchair he had to take me but he wasn't allowed in so I didn't see her for a couple of days and that was awful obviously you know um so it really did affect us and I was definitely left with you know trauma from it all and we got home and the weeks and the months went by and I still wasn't right I would Mm. think about it all the time have flashbacks nightmares really hypervigilant um yeah, I knew mm. I wasn't well. I knew I wasn't right and that I hadn't kind of dealt with it. And, and 
did you reach out to I did so I did mm. finally reach out to someone and had some counseling which really really helped mm. um the lady that I worked with was amazing and I I think I think I remember I had to write down the whole birth story mm. and I think and she read it and I think her just saying like oh god that must have been awful that sounds mm. awful was like this validation that I of needed course, because yeah, I kind yeah. of tried to say to friends you know it was really hard like mm. I'm really upset about it I keep thinking about it and mm. but I didn't really tell anybody how bad it was I don't think not even my husband but I would lie there all night like mm. reliving it mm. and obviously that's not right no. and I knew it wasn't the counseling really really did help um but I still felt quite angry about everything. I don't know who I was angry at. And I think that's one of the hardest things in, you know, for people that did have babies in lockdown is there's not one villain. There's not one person that we can blame. You know, there's the rules that are in place by the government. There's NHS rules. There's, you know, science that, of course, couldn't have been ignored. But at the same time, you know, it was a, dis- a disaster for mm. women that had babies in, in lockdown. And, and I've said this a lot of times on, on the podcast and in different interviews and things, but we all made sacrifices, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that pregnant women or people that had babies are the only people that made sacrifices. Everybody in the country Mm. made sacrifices. But we were certainly up there with the list of people who had a a bit of a shit time, really. And, And as the months went by, I was still quite angry about it and quite upset about it all. Even though I had sort of I was doing a lot better and I'd kind of, I you know, the flashbacks had stopped and the nightmares had stopped and things, but I was still angry. And mm. so that's why I decided to start the podcast. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, tell, tell us a bit more about the podcast. I've listened to some of the episodes, not all of them, but really, I mean, it's, it's beautiful. And we'll play some clips as well, I think, won't we? Just to, to share with my listeners what you've got. And um, I'm sure everyone will enjoy hearing those stories. But the two that I listened to recently, uh, there was Polly and Anissa and women from different walks of life, different perspectives, different family scenarios already and just hearing them open up and share like the way you have just done now with me it's so important that that's recorded so I mean firstly I think just fantastic that you have recorded these women's stories and yeah I mean it's a it's a collection that's really special in in the sense that I don't think anyone else had done it no well that was it they haven't I mean yes there's the odd news article I think the BBC had done something where they sort of had, it was an online article, so just like quotes from women. And of course, there's lots of research, as in mm. academic research that's happening and happened. And ch- lots of charities in this space have done really important and amazing work in this mm. space. But there wasn't that personal narrative. Yeah, where it was yeah, just like, yeah. just let people tell their stories. Because yeah. I think that was a big part of it is that women who had babies just felt unheard, yeah. or ignored that they were just sort of expected to move on you know Mm. seemingly we have all moved on it's been two years since the start of the pandemic and and life has mostly gone back Mm. to normal but actually for so many women and families who had babies they're still processing yeah they're still processing I mean the research shows that you know the rates of PTSD postnatal depression perinatal anxiety they've just absolutely skyrocketed I mean like research from Mm. UCL which is University College London they found that new mums were twice as likely to have postnatal depression if they'd had a baby during lockdown I mean that's huge twice as likely 50% more chance you know and Mm. then you know Best Beginnings which is an amazing charity who are actually going to 
feature on the podcast oh, in, in yeah. a few mm-hmm. in a few weeks they found that i think it was 61% of parents said that they were worried about their own mental health at that time around mm-hmm. the time that they'd had their babies but only 9 out of 10 of them knew where they could get help mm-hmm. oh, and that's goodness, just yeah. so telling isn't it yeah it- and and th- th- these are just UK studies, you know. They've been, these studies are happening all over the world. Yeah, yeah. And different parts of the world, pandemic still in, you know, throes of, uh, of trauma as well. So, well, let's play some clips from the podcast um, and then we'll speak of it again. So we'll hear two short clips. And then when I sort of started getting back in a groove, I guess, lockdown hit again. And that was lockdown for four months and that was when it really got hard because I couldn't see anyone. I couldn't speak to anyone. I wasn't sleeping. I got no help. You know, at no point after having a child did someone bring round some food or say, you go to sleep and let me watch the baby and tidy up. It just didn't happen. Um, my boyfriend got a bit of the, of the baby blues, to be honest, during that December time. So he was somewhat, you know, emotionally unavailable, I would say. And he was sort of the only person that I could be with. So that made it really, really difficult. I, you know, I was exclusively breastfeeding. So I just felt like I was on my own 24 hours a day for months and months on end, really. The main thing was just fear. Is my worst nightmare come true doing it by myself. And throughout the whole process, I was just texting Joe, like, I'm really scared. I'm really, really scared. And like, we've been together 10 years. And he's like, oh, I've never, I don't know what to do. <laughs> Like, he's at home texting me back. Like, I don't know what to do when you're scared because he's never really seen me. I've never, I don't think I've ever said that to him, you know, because I'm normally a pretty confident person, but just, yeah, in it alone, terrified. So I hope that's given you listeners a, a sort of flavour of, of the, the podcast series Lockdown Babies um, and we're going to continue the conversation Philippa but do you want to tell people how they can find the podcast and find you now yeah yeah so just basically search Lockdown Babies wherever you listen to your podcasts it might be Apple Podcasts it might be on Anchor it might be on Spotify and um, you'll find it it's a green kind of logo and it says Lockdown Babies there yeah like you say there's nothing else out there like this so it can't really be mistaken and I think if you had a baby or even you know a young baby maybe you didn't give birth in the pandemic but you had a one or two year old you might find this podcast really Mm. helpful actually and I think that's kind of been the overarching message from from listeners that have you know bothered to actually message me which is amazing Mm. I think you don't Mm. you just sort of put something out there and you don't really expect anybody to get back in touch with you about it but I've had so many messages from people that have said you know just to hear that they weren't on their own they weren't Mm. the only one because I think that was so true for many of us in that we kind of felt like it was only happening to us and like mm. our worlds were ending but this was happening up and up and down the country up mm. and down the world mm. you know we were all in it together but if only we'd known at the time yeah, how yeah. but I think we almost needed that time to now come together and and yeah. have have these important discussions yeah. um so yeah just just search lockdown babies yeah. and, you, and you'll be able to find us well congratulations to you doing something positive out of what you went through so yeah I I really like listening and appreciate you doing it thank you um so something Philippa you do with your guests you ask them for one word to sum up their sort of lockdown baby experience 
what would that be for you if I can turn the Ooh, tables? Yeah, excuse my language, but it would be shit show. Oh my like, goodness. it's just been a shit show, honestly. And I know it's not the best sort of like adjective or uh, descriptive word, but it re- it really was. Like, mm. it was really, really hard. And I think it's hard to put it into words unless you've lived it. Yeah. How difficult it was. It was just everything, you know, I mean the hospital experience and then we didn't see health visitors and this is these are the these themes come up in the podcast everybody's everybody's telling telling me the same story basically that you know they didn't see health visitors they didn't see midwives they weren't able to weigh their babies you know if they had to god forbid take their baby to A&E or to a Mm. doctor only one parent was allowed to go and even actually now still today in May 2022 there's still rules around that Mm. and just the feelings of isolation. You don't know how much you need mum friends until you don't have them mm. or you're unable to make them. You don't know how much you need baby classes and mm. baby groups, baby massage, baby sensory. Mm. You know, they sound so, oh, we'll just cancel baby sensory. But yeah. those are lifelines for mums. You know, maternity leave can be so isolating for so many yeah, people. Yeah. And it was just so heightened. And as much as a lot of people maybe had their partners at home with them, which was, mm. you know, a blessing from it all. Yeah. It was still really, you know, no one could come round and cook for you. No one mm. brought lasagnas. Nobody yeah. <laughs> held the baby while I had a shower. There was none of that. And yeah. it was the same for all of us. And yeah. I just wanted to, you know, get those stories down and just mm. hope that other people listened to them and, and felt yeah. that it was their story as well and that they could connect to it. Yeah, and there's lots of learnings from it. And hopefully, even though, and we talked about this briefly before we recorded the episode that like the NHS is pushed like hopefully some of those learnings will go back into services going forward to you know that's it that's that's why it's so difficult because Mm. like you say the NHS was on its knees Mm. what were they supposed to do Mm. I don't know what the answers are I think and I don't know if we ever will whether we'll you know we think about was it the right thing to do or was it the wrong Mm. thing to do it was unprecedented how can we sit here and say they shouldn't have made those rules or it or whatever but at the same time you know the 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 damage is huge you know Mm. charities and researchers are saying that we've got a mental health epidemic now Mm. because when it comes to you know um women that have Mm. babies during this time and that these impacts are going to be long lasting Mm. and so you have to weigh up the cost of that birthrights the charity they actually commissioned a piece of research into and it was basically looking into how much the how much it cost how much this mental health crisis has cost Mm. um versus you know what it would have what the price would have been if we'd just been allowed partners and support and health visitors oh my goodness yeah yeah and it's really telling and I really hope lessons have been learned I really don't Mm. know if they have because even today you know birthrights I spoke to a lady from birthrights just a couple of weeks ago and Mm. she told me that they were still writing to hospitals and still lobbying hospitals there's still a lot of variation to lift restrictions places and trusts so mm. you can go to Wembley Stadium with a hundred thousand people and watch football match but can you have your partner with you after you've had a baby absolutely not and that's not right. No, that that's isn't not right. right. I mean, that just jars, doesn't it? Oh, that's a polite word. Like, yeah, it doesn't make sense. Mm. So, mm. in answer to your question, yeah, I would, I would say, my experience has been a shit show. I think mm. it was all just a shit show. It was just handled badly, and I think, yeah, and mm. it, it's a tricky one though because, mm. like, like we've said, the NHS was on its knees. My mum's a nurse. She, you know, she mm. was working, you know, throughout the pandemic, and mm. so I, I totally get that. But I just wish that we'd been thought about a bit more. Yeah. 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 Some sort of empathy and 
compassion and yeah and support immediately available after if there was yeah. problems and yeah I mean even breastfeeding mm. you couldn't get breast I didn't breast I didn't breastfeed Arabella I couldn't mm. I mean I needed help I needed support I remember mm. ringing one of the big national breastfeeding charities and the lady saying to me there's nothing in your area there's nothing for miles around there all, all the services are shut, shut down. down yeah can't do anything to help you mm. I mean yeah. and you just and it's like oh you couldn't breastfeed your baby never mind well actually that's a really big deal yeah, for a lot of people of course, and of course, yeah. I'm over it not over it but you know I've kind of dealt with it now but I was mm. really upset yeah but I needed yeah. help I needed somebody to come and help me or do a video call or anything but the charities were drowning because they were having yeah. they were infiltrated with calls yeah, yeah they were yeah. doing their best but it shouldn't have been on on the charities to mm to hold up the nation and allow us to breastfeed our babies yeah there should have been more support yeah yeah and talking about you know you mentioned Arabella obviously you were getting your story but there's this little person as well in this story like how she's coming up to two isn't she yeah she's so, gonna be two in July yeah, yeah and she's great she's good oh that's fantastic <laughs> yeah, she's really good but mm. I do think she's been affected I mean I don't know if affected is the right word but you know, you hear this term mm. like, oh, lockdown babies because they're very shy. She's very cautious. She mm. doesn't like people coming in our house. She gets mm. very upset. She can't be doing with strangers. She mm. won't be held by anyone else. Mm. And I do want, and she goes to nursery and mm. she's got special bonds with her nursery teachers yeah. but, and, and us, but that's it. Yeah, and she's I not had think... that more informal network contact that, yeah. well, all those things. I mean, I my son's about to turn four, but you know so different stage of development but you know play dates birthday parties things that my eldest did when she was like two and three like he was during the pandemic he just hasn't had so that informality of like being around adults that aren't his immediate nursery workers or the parents and then occasionally relatives when we've seen them or been able to see them it is you know and it's not that they won't catch up but you've just got to give time and space to yeah to see that because all mm. different ages were affected yeah. and I think people think oh they were just tiny babies they won't be affected mm. but those first two years of life are so important yeah, yeah. and you do have to wonder what the what the long-term impacts mm. will be I'm not worried about her I know no, she'll be know. fine yeah. and I know that lots of research will take place but you know for example I don't know if you um, remember when there was those awful earthquakes in New Zealand Mm. a few years ago maybe about 10 years ago even research now shows that even babies that were in their mum's tummies at that time had different differences like they struggled at school or they struggled to make friends and different social different social impacts on them even though they were in mum's tummy because they felt the stress and they felt the anxiety from their mums and that's just so telling isn't it so surely you know children and babies who were born in the pandemic yeah. it'll be interesting to see look it'll yeah. be interesting in 10 years time I'm not a scientist but I'm really interested to see what they what they find out mm. and, and whether the the children have been affected and, and like you say the different ages yeah. it's not just babies it's all different ages I've got a, a friend who's yeah. got a teenager and her teenagers had a really hard time as well so yeah well we touched a bit upon that idea with um Sam who's a nurse and we we talked to her in the the mini series of mother of all solutions she's working as a school nurse so dealing with a lot of teenagers so yeah like I think throughout recording the episodes that we've done of mother of all solutions through the pandemic different stories from different women of different professional backgrounds kids of different ages you know you've kind of you get a sense of 
the impact it's had on different people in different ways but I think for you and for the women whose stories you've recorded it it has been super intense which is why I think it's people should listen and yeah and hopefully lessons learned yeah I hope so So let's move on, Philippa. Um, Mother of All Solutions is around stories of mums returning to work. That was the starting point. Um, And it still holds true. I want to know how, after maternity leave, people handle the next stage of their life, their careers. And there's no rights or wrongs, as we've discovered. You know, everybody does things differently. And, you know, I've learned a lot through recording these stories on Mother of All Solutions around equality and feminism and family life and you know lots of things from different people talking about what they've done so do you want to say a little bit more because at the very beginning you said it has changed you and your partner as well and your setup do you want to explain about your work and what you're doing now yeah definitely so like I said I was working I was working for the BBC I was working in the world service when I on that fateful day when I got sent home and I truly never really returned to the office so I'd always planned to have my year off um you know, really lucky to be able to have done that. We'd saved up and made sure that financially that was, you know, going to be able to happen for us. Um, So I had my year off. And I think this is really interesting, actually, in the context of having had a a lockdown baby and some of the mums that I've spoken to about maternity leave, because our maternity leave wasn't what we expected. It wasn't what we planned. It wasn't normal. (laughs) Some mums spent the entirety of their of their maternity leave in lockdown you know Mm. Polly that we hear from on the podcast she only had four months off and she didn't that was full lockdown that was that January to April real hard lockdown and that was her maternity leave like totally robbed and and this sense of kind of being robbed of your maternity leave is is one of the themes that we hear a lot in the podcast and that was true for me as well Mm. I did feel a bit robbed I will Mm. be honest I think partly because of you know like my mental health struggles and kind of dealing with all of that consumed a lot of it um and then yeah like it sounds so trivial not being able to go to baby classes but Mm. you do like you that's what you want to do and you think you'll have like coffee dates with friends and you'll Mm. do mum and baby yoga and you have this kind of vision of your maternity leave and Mm. how you'll do you know lunches with the baby sleeping and and Mm. just none of that happened for us and we do we feel robbed we do feel robbed Mm. because you never get that time back you know yes I might have another maternity leave maybe but it will never be the same Mm. with your second when you have a toddler or another young child you know so I I did feel quite robbed and I will say um my husband my husband's family live in the Channel Islands so we actually went to the Channel Islands for two months really lovely time and then we came home in the January and then we went into that bloody lockdown and we Mm. you know maybe we should have stayed in Guernsey I don't know but also we wanted to be at home in our own house back into your normal life with our own stuff as as you can be yeah Mm. so that was really hard that I remember saying to my husband I'm so miserable Mm. this is I'm bored I'm gonna swear now shit yeah (laughs) crap weather and it was so miserable Mm. and this was when you could barely leave the house nothing was open it was dark and cold and there's only so many times you can walk around the park in the rain and I remember really not enjoying that part of maternity leave and Mm. actually I didn't enjoy playing with Arabella because I was bored of it Um, and that sounds awful to say you didn't have that extra stimulus of those groups or just somebody who's 
not being up in the night all night coming on and like doing something fun with your kid and then that makes you feel a bit more fun and you know <laughs> exactly just something to break up the days mm. and then we got to the March April and, and things started to open up and the weather started to get nicer and I, mm. I started um going to this class called Buggy Fit it was it's outdoor exercise mm. in the park and I made some amazing friends oh, and good. so the last good. bit of my return to leave was brilliant it was just what I had hoped the whole thing would be but yeah. you know it was brilliant and I loved it and we went out for lunch and we had picnics in the park and we took the babies to Kew Gardens you know yeah. all those lovely things we made up for for lost time for sure and then yep yeah, I was returning to work I was due to return to work and I did return to work I did return to my job at the BBC yeah. um and they were brilliant you yeah. know I'd put in a flexible working request mm-hmm. um, so that I could have a Tuesday off so Arabella was going to be with her dad on a Monday me on a Tuesday mm. and then go to nursery for three days my request was approved it yeah. all went really well my boss was brilliant I couldn't have really asked for any more, but fundamentally the nature of that job was Mm. night shifts, shift work, you know, unfortunately the rest of the world is awake when we're asleep, so the news doesn't stop at night. Yeah. So... I knew that I was going to have to do night shifts, early shifts, late shifts, weekends. Yeah. And and I did do it for a couple of months and all of the kind of childcare duties fell onto my husband because, mm. you know, I, lots of people will, will relate to this, but I was mm. gone by the time... Arabella woke and I was back after she went to bed because oh of the yeah. long days and I, it was re- it was really hard but I couldn't have managed that. no I mean mm. work were brilliant what could they do it was it's the job there was nothing they could do mm. they they kind of did all they could but at the end of the day that was just the nature of the job and 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 also mm. I think because I had been changed by the whole mm. experience in that I was this new kind of anxious person, which had never really been something that had affected me before. I'd obviously had been worried about, you know, a job interview or something small, but I'd never had this anxiety that I now had this hypervigilance, you know, I was terrified of um of, of being in a terrorist attack I know that sounds really mm. random but I just had this fear of being in a terrorist attack for some reason and and I bad think things happening you yeah, basically just like waiting for something exactly bad to come. and mm. I think it was kind of a result from from the trauma and everything and and I remember read you know we're reading the news every day and reading about COVID and you're basically reading the worst of the world yeah. in a way and yeah. it, it does get you down but it never had bothered me before I was always able to kind of park it Work was work. Exactly. Move on. Yeah. Okay. And I remember this was around the time mm. where the Taliban took over Afghanistan, mm. and I was working that day, and I was reading all the different wires coming in, all mm. the different reports from Reuters and all the different agencies mm. coming in, and writing all this news. And I remember that night, Arabella had had a really bad respiratory problem, so mm. she has all these respiratory problems, probably because she's never seen anybody. Mm. Um, so she had gone to A and E with her dad. So I'm kind of half my brain's mm. worried about her, the other half is dealing with this massive news story Mm. and I remember seeing that video Mm. of the mum throwing her baby over the wall to the to the American army and I just I think the next day or or a couple of days later I handed in my notice yeah and that that video just haunted me and I just thought I can't I can't consume this all day every anymore so it was kind of a combination of things it was the hours and the shifts and not being able to see her and things mm. and then this new me mm. couldn't deal with all these negative stories constantly yeah, I just yeah. couldn't consume it anymore and 
So I, yeah, I handed in my notice. Luckily mm. I had a job to go to because my husband had lost his job in the mm. pandemic in around the March, actually. That time was awful, mm. awful for us. Um, but he yeah. had lost his job. He makes podcasts yeah. and he had set up his own business. And actually it, it was amazing. And he did amazingly and is doing amazingly. And it all kind of worked out for yeah. the best in the end. Yeah. And then he kept saying to me, come and work with me, come and work oh, with cool. me, come and work for the business. And I was like, no, no, it's your thing, it's your thing. But the yeah. skills were very much exactly. transferable. Yeah, yeah. And then I turned around to him one day, I was like, fine, I'm coming, I'm going to hand in my notice. And, and <laughs> You better work- pay me well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. literally, he, does. he pays me pretty well. Better than the BBC, so I can't <laughs> complain. Um, and yeah, so I went to join him and it's worked out really well. Everything's oh, worked out for the best good. and I'm really happy. And I do still do things for the BBC I do mm. still freelance for them and things so I've kind of managed to keep one foot in but yeah. also protect myself in a way from it mm. all and just I don't really read the news unless I'm having a kind of work day I will I, I know what I need to know yeah you don't yeah you know how to filter and edit that's appropriate for you yeah 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 no it, it I mean it's super interesting and I think it's great that you and your husband have both found something to fit from him and the redundancy and you and your resignation and you've now made a new path that's it's quite yeah. exciting to hear yeah it is yeah. It's, it's all worked out but I honestly I don't know how he would have done it mm. if he had been in a, a normal kind of office job and if I'd still been working the shifts and everything I don't know how we would have done yes. it with the baby lots of people talk about childcare around these issues it comes up all the time on my podcast every news article you read about parents and work you know it's it's there um you said Arabella's in nursery she goes to nursery mm. three days I look mm. after her one day and uh, my husband look, looks after her one day yeah. and it works really well because we both get our special day yeah and we're both obviously with her on the weekend and then she goes yeah. to nursery three days which I felt was really important for her I really yeah, wanted her yeah. to go to nursery so it's worked out really really well but yeah. you know we don't have any family around there's yeah. no one that can help us no one can pick her up from from nursery but because we work for ourselves now we can just finish at five and yeah, if it means we yeah. work again at seven when she's gone to bed then that's fine because it's on our terms yeah I think yeah. when it's on your own terms it makes a really big difference mm. and you know if she's unwell mm. you know I don't have to ring my boss and be like yeah, oh she's yeah. not well and I need the day off because I had had to do that a bit yeah, before yeah. I resigned and I remember I was in hospital with her one time for three days because oh of goodness. this respiratory thing yeah. and I had to ring and I thought you feel so guilty like you've let your colleagues down and oh my goodness that, I remember yeah, yeah my yeah. eldest she had probably very similar sort of stays with chest infections and problems respiratory problems when she was a toddler and yeah you know we'd be sleeping in hospital some nights some nights two nights in a row and you know, however empathetic a boss is, you feel the guilt to everybody, don't you? Yeah, because you know someone else has got to cover your shift or pick up your slack. Mm. And it's so, so hard. It's mm. so hard. Like the parent guilt in all aspects is hard. Yeah, yeah. But then to have like the work work parent guilt as well. Oh, it's just... It's mega. Yeah, yeah, it's so, so hard. I, I don't know how we would have done it mm. if we'd been... So that's that's the thing. Yeah. I'm kind of grateful for the pandemic in a way because it's enabled us to have this lifestyle yeah. where we work for ourselves. You've had to shift. But yeah. also it robbed, yeah. it robbed us of a lot, but it's given us a lot. And that's mm. why it's so hard to kind of compartmentalise your feelings about it. I think so many people will feel that as well. Mm. Um you know I guess you worked from mm. home for part of it you get yeah, to see your kids yeah, more but yeah. you had to homeschool them and yeah, yeah. just really had to difficult. see them a lot <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah it's it's difficult but yeah. yeah so that's kind of where we're at now yeah 
Wow. Well, well, congratulations on lots of levels. I'm, you know, Arabella. I mean, that's the main thing. You know, you've got a happy, healthy <laughs> yeah. little girl and that's so special. And then what you're doing in terms of your work and then Lockdown Babies as the podcast. I'm really pleased I came across it. I can't even remember how I came across it, but I came across it and um, it needed to be made. Thank you. So Thank you. Keep making stuff, even if it's another project. Like, yeah, what is your next thing? Yeah. Or, or general kind of aspirations and ways yeah. forward? or. Well- I work on lots of different podcasts. Mm. Um, so it's funny because even my job is to make podcasts, mm. but Lockdown Babies was different. It this was, was my passion. Mm. Pro- I don't know. That's not the right word, is it? I but, get you. Know, you. Okay. This was like something that I kind of wanted to do for me and for other mums. Mm. And something that I hadn't been able to do before when I worked for the BBC because mm. in a way it's kind of a form of activism and, mm. you know, when you work for the BBC, especially if you're on air, you, you're not allowed to do activism. Yeah. You can't. We, we, we're impartial, we're neutral, we don't have opinions. Yeah, yeah. You know? So I kind of really wanted to do that. Um, so that's kind of different. But in the background, mm. in terms of like actual work, I've got, yeah, lots of really brilliant projects on the mm. go. We make um, podcasts for lots and lots of different people and companies. And yeah, it's going really, really well. I'd really like to, I think, in the future or in the next few years Mm. I'd really like to do some kind of lecturing maybe at university level I don't think I could cope with any younger I think university (laughs) level I'd really like to do that that's one of my aspirations around journalism yeah yeah. okay Hmm. yeah because I think by that by university they've kind Hmm. of chosen to be there they've chosen that they want to study journalism (laughs) so I think figure it it will be okay but yeah I think I'd really like to do that and just kind of more around yeah, this activism space, it's it's mm. a, it's a funny space actually because once you start, once you enter, you get sucked in mm. and Twitter like feeds you Philip all. Philip is doing di- some good hand gestures yeah, at the I moment. Know, I know, <laughs> I Twitter feeds you all the different, the charities and all the different activists in, yeah. the, in this and you do sort of get consumed by it. But it feels good to be able to have a voice and to yeah. be able to, I think I needed this because I felt still like some anger and things and I remember the therapist saying to me like do you think you could do some kind of activism and I was like I can't because my job but now I can so yeah I'm really really enjoying it and actually it's kind of like therapy for me to kind of speak to these women and feel like we're connected yeah so yeah oh well brilliant and keep up the activism um, and keep having your voice because it's a fantastic voice to have thank you and (laughs) thank you for all the work you're doing you know talking about going back to work I really don't think think people talk about it enough until you're about to go back and then it hits you like a ton of bricks and Mm. it's so hard it's so so hard I didn't expect it to be as hard as it was but it really is so it's so important to have these conversations that you're having as well and to to normalize them in a way yeah yeah and I think yeah probably a bit like you were saying with people not the lockdown babies not wanting to sound ungrateful because they knew the NHS was pressured and they knew it was an unprecedented situation it's like I think women opening up about their stories around work they don't want to look ungrateful to employers or cause problems and it's like well actually no we're allowed to share these stories because it's important to improve and reflect and it's not about being overly critical even if experiences might have been bad it's just about knowing so that other women can take it on board and handle things yeah Um, that's what I think and I I really hope that the pandemic has changed the way we view work and women returning to work and things Mm. and working from home I really hope this you know the work from home culture that allows you to pick up your kids or whatever you need to do I hope it continues I don't know if it will 
But yeah. I really hope that it does. I, part yeah. of me thinks it won't, and in two years we'll be back to how yeah. we were before. But I really hope that I'm wrong. Yeah. No, it's it'll be interesting. I think um, seeing the cycle of changes and culture around it and what happens. Well, thank you, Philippa. It, it's been lovely to meet you, lovely to talk to you, lovely to record with you. Um, so finally, remind people where they can find Lockdown Babies as the podcast and then also how they can connect with you. Yep. Yeah, so um, just search Lockdown Babies wherever you listen to your podcasts. So that might be Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Acast, wherever you listen, just search Lockdown Babies, you'll find us. We have got I've got a Lockdown Babies Instagram, which is probably the best way to message me Perfect. if you want to. Um, I've done, I've done tons of followers. I really am bad at keeping up with all, but I do read all the messages and I do Good. reply to them all. So please message me and I will reply to you. Or you can search me on Twitter as well. I think it's Philly underscore, um, Philly underscore Gyu. My name is hard to spell, so maybe just search lockdown babies yeah stick with instagram and yeah, lockdown babies but i will always get back to you and i'll pop those links the twitter link as well with the correct spelling and then the lockdown babies insta link in the show notes for this episode so that if you can't find it by searching just click on on that and find it so thank you again philippa thank you so much for having me my pleasure so thank you listeners um i hope you've enjoyed the story i hope you've enjoyed hearing from philippa and i and having this conversation today um do keep in touch and um, if you've enjoyed the episode share it with your friends your relatives and um, people who uh, you know have had babies during lockdown people who haven't I, I think it's important for everyone to hear as well um if there's anything you want to tell me as your host laura broderick um please reach out to me mother of all solutions on um, Instagram and Twitter at Solutions Mother, or you can email me motherofallsolutions at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to me, Laura Broderick, with my guest today, Philippa Giyu. Um, take care and listen out for the next episode. Bye.